Hello, welcome to Black Cap Recap, where two bald guys wear black ball caps and dive into the deeper meaning of movies, TV, and media. We're your co-hosts, Sean McCannelly and Aaron Russo. This is a conversation between two friends, and we hope that you enjoyed as much as we do. Well, today we are going to do something a little different. We are going to jump in and discuss, or at least use as a launch for a discussion about whatever it leads to, (laughs) the movie Office Space, which was released in 1999. Um, I just watched it for the first time last night, Um, but Sean has seen it, I guess, a lot of times. I saw it in high school the first time on like a bootleg DVD. Someone was like, you got to check this out. And I did. Uh, I was too young to appreciate it at the time, but every time I revisit it, the older I get, the more I appreciate it. When was the last time you actually watched it, do you remember? Oh, probably like a year or two ago. Um, okay. And then I like I like to watch clips of it every once in a while. Just, I'll just like think of it and go on YouTube and watch some of the clips of it. Or like, the algorithm will just, for some reason, just throw up like an Office Space clip. I'm like, well, here we go. I'm going on a, I'm going on a binge now. I'm going to watch all the funny clips from this movie. I don't know how it does that. It just suddenly knows... Like it just gives you stuff on YouTube. It's it great. has a pretty good memory yeah. of what might interest you. Hey, you're a working man of a certain age. You might like this, <laughs> like, or it could just be listening to you. I'm sure it's doing that too. Yes. <laughs> you texted the guy you do the podcast with about Office Space. Here's a clip. That's actually true. It did show up after I texted you that. Yeah, that's not oh, that's gosh. not surprising. Um, Here we go. <laughs> um, but uh, so for those of you who haven't seen Office Space, um, I guess we would summarize it as uh, a 1999 low budget uh, satirical look at what would have then been considered the modern day you know office park yeah corporate culture basically corporate desk job yep culture Um, and it is a satirical look at that done on a shoestring budget Mm -hmm. that has resonated I guess with people now for 22 years um i had not watched it until last night but i had heard of it and i'd seen the the poster with all the post yep. the guy covered in post-it yep. notes and it's 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 something that's like always been in the peripheral yep. for me but i've never really sat down and watched it and fully got what what it was about but i guess to as a starting point uh it it is it it is a depiction of um, essentially a a realistic look at what work can do to people that launches into a kind of like a slacker revenge yeah, fantasy. Slacker revenge fantasy is a good way to put it. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> With all of the, uh, you know, requisite uh, cliches and, mm-hmm. and, uh, um, justifications for bad behavior and um you and know, everyone gets away with it <laughs> and the fantasy of the you know the guy gets the girl yeah the, you know the 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 nerd gets the, the the you know the hot chick or whatever you want to <laughs> say about that um it was interesting that i think that uh, some of the things that i watched as i was watching that i was like yeah some of this some of the jokes and some of the humor wouldn't i don't know that they could do <laughs> like what like, like some of the jokes about going to prison and yeah, um, yeah, <laughs> some of that stuff probably wouldn't. Or even like the lady, like completely, constantly stumbling over uh, the their their friend's name, like Akma. Oh, Akma right. Did, not being able like, to Akma pronounce Dini, that Akma Arab Dini name. It's not that hard. Akma right. Dini Jod. <laughs> it's like, you know, you're supposed to be a more respectful of people's names, and like, and she's like, he's like, you've you've worked with me for like three years, and you still can't remember my name, you know. So I think I think at at its core, without you know, if you were to start, if we were to start a conversation about the movie, at its core, it is about a, you know essentially three men who are working in a job that is not enjoyable to them. Yeah. Something that it's the classic uh, you know clock watching you know soul deadening. Mm-hmm purposelessness filled employment scenario um, uh, 
at its core. I mean, it, it, as a simplification, um, and that is, I guess, what what is on the on the surface what works for most people would be right. Just that feeling that we've all had of yeah. going to a job where you're like, you know, where you you know, and there's there's you know, science, you know, it's, it's been it's been confirmed that like people are more likely to have heart attacks on Sunday nights that that like this the 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 line at the beginning of the movie like uh, where they say like the you know, someone's got the Mondays yeah it looks like someone's like, got a case of the Mondays and the, and that is that is at at its core right what we're talking about which mm-hmm. is this this existential dread <laughs> of your job mm-hmm. and that while you're at work you are disengaged um and you can't wait for the week work week to be over, mm-hmm. um, and and that's just that's what we get in the first half of the movie, which is utterly relatable to a large majority of people, I would guess. Yeah. Um, that your job or work is something that you dread, uh, and then while you're there, you're primarily tasked with figuring out how to survive the work week so that you can get to the weekend. Yeah. Which is a depressing... But I think what's interesting, yeah, on that part, like, what I think it shows well is, like, the work day sucks, but then, like, they show these glimpses of, like, the weekend, and it's, like, the neighbor is just, like, just laying around in his apartment, not doing anything, and, like, they go to that, like, party, right? And it's, like, in, like, some cookie-cutter suburban house backyard with, like, a water tower, like, right behind it. So it's, like, all you see, your view of, like, your piece of the American dream is, like, looking at this ugly water tower. And it's, like... Power lines. Yeah, power lines and a water tower. And it's, like, it's, like, it's one thing to, like, endure the week if it's, like, if you have this enjoyable weekend to look forward to. But it's, like, I was listening to, um, like, Steve Harvey somehow came up in my feed. And he has, like, he's, like... um, He's like, white people and black people have very different experiences with the weekend. He's like, white people have wonderful weekends, and they do this and that. And, like, he's like, black people, black people, like, they just have a couple days off because they know, like, on Monday it's back to the bullshit. You know? <laughs> like, so it's, like, true. Like, this movie, like, you know, you're like, everything sucks about these people's lives. All, like, everything sucks about it. There's, like, nothing. There's no high point. It's, like, you have a dreary, like, work life, and then you have, like, kind of a dreary weekend life, too. <laughs> Well, I think there was there was a that was the, captured pretty well. Like even when he gets home from work at night, yeah, um, or when he's you know home on the weekend, he's, yeah, there's not a whole lot going on, yeah, and his social life and mm-hmm. his love life, even though he has a girlfriend, it's it's not optimal, mm-hmm. um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think I think that is that is you know without getting into the second half of the movie where it descends into this, you know, conspiracy to rob the company and so on. I mean, there's a, there's a, I guess maybe the other big theme going on there is the, the deconstructing of cor- corporate culture or business culture, like mm-hmm. the lingo and the jargon and, yep. the, and the GPS reports, whatever that is, you know, and the, you know, like the, the whole, the, the quintessential memo yep. and the, and the, you know, the, the, team meetings yep. that are super awkward where you know yep. there's the banner and the slogans <laughs> and the cheering and everybody's just like and like the, the 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 rituals of like oh it's somebody's birthday so we can do the cake awkward cake thing and it's like I feel like you're too old for this but I can't not be here but it's like this is weird and I think that was actually one of the best <laughs> things but every time they did show those kinds of scenes it was so yeah. perfect yeah. Like, like it's all so obligatory and so uninspiring mm-hmm. and so <laughs> I mean it's like it's very it's very almost dystopian it's like it's like when you watch the beginning of 1984 right, and it's like he has to like just yeah like, he has to do everything like they're all shuffling off to the cafeteria together and like they have to like do the two minutes hate together and like all this it's just like very it's like a couple steps away from that like the groundwork is being laid basically for a future in which you're just like a drone and like you do whatever Big Brother says um and like, right. you're, cause you're trapped in this like cycle of like, you have to do this to survive. Cause like, you can't have a living, you can't make a living without doing this, but you like sacrifice your life to get a living. If that makes sense. <laughs> cause like he goes and has a life, like he goes fishing and he like, does whatever he wants and like experiences life. Right. Which some of which costs money, some of it doesn't, but like 
you can't use it. You can't, you know, pay for your rent on good feelings or whatever. So it's like, unless you can find a way to be happy homeless, like you have to work to provide for yourself. Um, but I just, one thing that's interesting about this movie is that, so like in 19, what was it, 87 was when Wall Street came out. And like that movie, the movie, Wall the movie Wall Street. And like everyone was like, I think on it, I think, uh, was it, was that uh, Oliver Stone movie or yeah? So I think Oliver Stone was he made Gordon Gecko an obvious villain, but everyone actually latched on him as like, oh, he's the hero of the movie. like I want to be like Gordon Gecko, and he was like, what? No, no, no! Like it's like Ron Swanson with Parks and Rec. Like everyone's like, oh, we love you, Ron Swanson. He's like, I'm making fun of libertarians with that character, right. and like real libertarians are like, we love you, you're a hero, and he's like, I'm like, I'm making fun of you with this character. So like I think yeah, it's so everyone was like obsessed with this. Like they wanted to be Gordon Gecko, they wanted to be. Um, uh, the main character like kind of rising up through the ranks and like that kind of like that's like selling you on the dream of it of it all and this movie is like showing you kind of the reality I guess of like it's only 12 years apart you know and like this the, the change from like the 80s to the kind of circa 2000 like what ha- like something happened in the 90s to like make the make people just like flip uh like that's why it resonates this movie resonates because like I don't know maybe it's like boomers versus Gen X or something like the the spirit is different like the 80s was the boomer the boomers coming up in their careers and like this movie is like kind of the gen x people around 30 years old instead of in the 80s the boomers were 30 years old uh, i think i think wall street the movie wall street i mean if you were paying attention to it it was an indictment yeah. on what was i mean that you know that that Charlie Sheen's dad that is the era. hero of the movie. Right. He should be the hero of the movie. Like that's the he's like the union guy who's working honestly at the airline right. and this and that. And he's supposed to be the guy you're like he but you know he's like an he's like an endangered species, but he's like the good old kind of capitalist. And then Gordon Gecko's like this new kind of like the shark. Gecko is Gecko is the personification of neoliberalism. Yeah. Like, you know the ruthless takeovers run, run its course to yeah. full, you know. Yeah. Where like even, you know, uh, I mean that's a classic. Like there's people who love his speech. You know, greed yeah, exactly. Is good. Yeah, and it's like, everyone's like, yeah, right on. Like that's yeah. There's, I mean, that's, I mean, that's Ayn Rand. There's entire that's, schools that's, of economic that's, thought built on that entire right. idea, right? And like public policy built on that. Right. Yeah, <laughs> and 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 we and we, I think that for most people. And this has been thoroughly explored currently is that we, I mean, I think in the movie to go back to office space, right? Like it's like everybody knows it's bullshit, but what is anybody going to do yeah. about it? And that's the why powerlessness. His, yeah. his, his opting out is initially so empowering because it's like, that's what we all really feel and want to yeah. do. But then if you play that out, right? as right as he might be, there is no end game there. It's like, we're still in the system. Like, you can't actually do that. Yeah. Right? Not because he hasn't identified a legitimate grievance, but because that's the only game in town. Yeah. And you can't go live as like a noble savage anymore. You can't go like, just live on the land and whatever. Like, that's not a thing you can do. You could. I mean, some people do. Yeah, I guess. But, I mean, it's, it's... We've we've gone so far, and I think really I think that's really probably one of the things that this movie, at least for me, one of the ways that it complements a lot of things that I've been thinking about and reading about is is just work itself. Yeah. Like when you look at if you take a big picture look at human history and what people have done for work, mm-hmm. like. We are living in, an. So much has changed. We're living in the in a period of time where. There's been the most change in the shortest period of time, mm-hmm. surrounding what any particular average human being does mm-hmm. to, basically secure mm-hmm. shelter, food, right? Like Certainly, the, the last hundred years and then the last like thirty or forty has been like most of the gain. Or most of the change, but like people living on nineteen twenty one didn't live that differently than their grandparents did. Like they right. maybe had electricity, where the others had lamps and this and that. But like 
somebody in 2021 compared to somebody in 1981 is very is a lot different even more than 21 to 81 i guess i don't know maybe 21 to 81 is i think a really it, big difference i think it was in this book there i mean and this is a statistic that i've been aware of but and fully fully automated luxury communism fully, fully automated luxury communism okay this, which is it's not what it sounds like but <laughs> the uh Just as an example, you know, one can argue about distinct technological periods within the da 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 da. Even as, re- as recently as the 19th century, 60% of the population in countries like Italy and France worked in agriculture. Mm-hmm. The average person worked in farming, almost always cultivating land which wasn't theirs. Mm-hmm. Today things look rather different. Just 4% of Italy's labor market is in agriculture, mm-hmm. while the figure is less than 3% for France. Two percent in the UK and one percent in the United States. So and we have food to spare that we send out. Like we make more food than we need with that one percent. And and but I mean I think the thing about that is that we've essentially, I think, you know, if you were to take sixty percent of the population mm-hmm. working in agriculture and another significant percentage working in factory work, right, and then you strip the agriculture down to essentially a zero. Mm-hmm. And the factory work down twenty mm-hmm. or thirty percent. That represents a m- massive yeah. shift in just what yeah. human beings wake up in the morning, and now they're not going. They're not farming. Mm-hmm. They're not working in a factory. Well, what are they doing? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I was learning too when I was watching this, and in that point, like, and just as you muse on our modern existence, like. Is discontent like a luxury, right? So it's like if you're an 1800s farmer or whatever, like a peasant farmer, like you're very, it's very clear what your life is for, what your purpose is, like what you are meant to do, what you're born to do, what your kids are going to do. Like all those questions are answered for you and you kind of don't have the luxury of like dreaming up what you could be or like, you know, like is there some freedom of freedom of anxiety from having that certainty in your life. Like they don't have like the burden of like, I can do anything I want. I'm told they keep telling me in my whole life, you can be anything you want to be. That's actually very, uh, that's very paralyzing in a way. It's like anxiety driving where it's like, well, I think if I I get it wrong, it's up to me and I get it wrong and we screw it up versus like, you're a farmer, your dad was a farmer, your kid's going to be a farmer and that's just how it is. Well, if there, and if there's no, if there was really very little or no, realistic option at all why would you why would discontentment even be a yeah thing? and there's no exposure to other things it's or not like oh these people over mind. here have apps and i'm over here farming with my bare hands i want to be over there right. it's like you don't you you never leave two miles from your house your whole life and like all you know is farming and you know the lord of your manor or whatever and that's it right if you're lucky you get like pulled into service and go fight a crusade and go see the world and lucky quote unquote you well, know? I think, like I think, usually I think you the, stay in your house uh, or whatever i think it, it there's a there's a very interesting paradox going on there because on the one hand there's no question that modern day work is making us sick Hmm. but at the same time I mean what I mean what are you going to do like if if everybody literally you know followed their dreams or did their bliss or whatever our, our modern economic you know culture would collapse like well that's the that's the argument or the main perhaps one of the main drop uh, objections to something like universal basic income is like if we give everybody some amount of money like a subsistence level where you it's not like work or die it's like work this job for more money or kind of live at a subsistence level without working but you're not gonna die because you're getting twelve hundred dollars a month or whatever like, if enough, like, certain people will quit their job uh, that they don't like to, like, take up art or podcasting or just whatever. Like, they're going to do something that they find meaning in that may not find an application in the market or, like, it wouldn't be market market valued, but it'd be, like, humanly valued. Like, pe- other people like it or even if no one did. Like, you paint a painting that no one ever sees or cares about. You got fulfillment out of that. Um, and, like, isn't there something to that? Or 
or like we're worried about yeah the system like if everybody kind of nopes out of the workforce or if enough people nope out of the workforce we kind of see that now like if mm-hmm. people who like worked for who like suffered abuse at the hands of the public uh, for 30 years or 10 years in service sector jobs like if they're in retail face to face with with terrible customers and Karens and stuff like now that like, they've had a breather right where it's like oh you're sent home you're laid off uh, you're getting extra unemployment and then oh now we need you back we're desperate for you and you have like kind of an option or you're like you're like nah you know what I got some perspective and I'm like I'm never going to do that again for any price it's certainly not for the $12 an hour you're offering or whatever even right. 15 like there's no price some people it's like no matter what you pay me I will never go back to that um, hopefully it's because they already got something better hopefully it's not like well I'm on unemployment and I'm just going to ride this out and like when my unemployment runs out I'll go find something better but I'm never going to go back to that so like there's this great I don't know the great like job shift or whatever that's been happening the last year where people like got some perspective and they're like I got a break from this grind for the first time and like I had my Peter moment where it's like you sit there and you're like what am I even doing with my life like why do I put up with this abuse like why do mm-hmm. <laughs> why do why do I sit here and listen to like, get screamed at by customers right uh for ten dollars an hour uh I can do better than that right or whatever and employers are just freaking out so you see that anxiety like the kind of the ruling class is like they're a they're like freaking out about it but also blaming like oh everyone's lazy and everyone's this and that and it's like or, well, think, or like this is what happens when you mistreat people for so long well, I I think it's, or the system just mistreats people right it chews them up and like I don't know well it's, it's it's a reflection of what this movie kind of portrays right it's like if people are that fundamentally like at a fundamental level miserable at their work mm-hmm. and they find a way out of that misery why would you go back? Yeah. Why would you go back to anything that makes you that miserable if you don't have to? Right. And that's what the issue isn't. The issue is like, how do we get to the point where that essentially, where essentially, a large portion of people, that's their only option. Yeah. Miserable job or unemployment, mm-hmm. or some convoluted attempt to get paid to do or like stream together several gig jobs like they right. do Uber they do and they have like an OnlyFans on the side and they have you know they have like uh, you know uh, Etsy store and they have like they have like three or four different things going and that kind of adds up to um, something of a life substantial but like it's not as secure as like one job with one salary with one health insurance but then that has its own cost to it right well I think I think that going back to what you said about the privilege of there is a there is a tremendous amount of privilege around like to even, like so you were saying we were talking about like in the past mm-hmm. where you know the absence of. It's almost like ignorance is bliss. Like they didn't know right. like what there could have been other right. than like. And and there was incredible you know, meaning in the and mud. purpose. It was like, well, why do you farm? Well, so I don't starve to death. Yeah, and That's I feed my and I feed right my neighbors. There. Like I'm the farmer of the pigs, and I give right. the pigs to. I see my neighbors eating the bacon I made, right, and like there's some meaning to there it's like we are all feeding each other and like I rely on my neighbors for the bread and this and that and like there's this cohesive like purpose to a community right and it's like a human scale community it's not like this global thing where you're like aware of the globe around you you're only kind of aware of kind of your tribe or whatever even today though like and this is the this is the modern day it's like I remember very clearly you know when I was working uh helping refugees find jobs, mm-hmm. right? Like, the overwhelming majority of those jobs were jobs that, if I was honest, like, I would kill myself if I had, if that was my job. Mm. And, but I couldn't go to them and say, well, you know, I mean, you gotta do what makes you happy. Right. No. <laughs> they need to start somewhere, right? You, is the you, idea. You, you need to do whatever yeah. we can find you to do. Yeah. Because and, and it's not, you're not signing up for the rest of your life necessarily. That's that's the flip side of all this is like yes, there's crappy jobs out there, and like the focus shouldn't be necessarily maybe on making sure we get rid of all crappy jobs, but like make sure that like there's a way for people to like not be trapped in them, right? Like people have to be able to be upwardly mobile, as it were, perhaps. Like that, I guess that's the whole like idea of like if the whole thing gets the whole curve gets shifted to the right over time, like everybody we just consume more and we make more, so we consume more and like our lives just get better and better and better generationally. Like I think that's like the goal of, like slash dream of our modern civilization is that like your kids have a better life than you had and so on and so on and so on. And just like infinite growth basically. 
but that runs up against like finite resources and finite well, that's, that's land an, and that's like an, everything. You know? It's an impossible yeah. Paradigm. I feel like we're getting close to that capacity in a lot of ways. Like the resources, like the climate, the land, like the capital ownership of stuff, like all of that is like we're getting close to that end game or end stage or whatever. And like every time that that's happened in history, it ends bloody and bad. Like there's like the dark ages and like the black plague and like all these things happen and it resets and recycles. And like I feel like we're in like late stage capitalism or whatever you call it, right? Well, I think I think that the big the the uh, I mean like the big elephant in the room in that cycle right that what what makes this particular moment very very different from those previous ones is technology and automation yeah. yeah and the fact that a large part of the crisis that we have right now as it relates to work and economics and consumption is being like, like, and it's, it's, people talk a lot about, you know, like, oh, look, we, we offshored all these jobs and we, you know, but the reality is, is that it's, it's automation. It's like, what do you, like, for the example, like, like, like to, to an economy is really, if you strip it down, right, like, mm-hmm. um, Henry Ford, right, as terrible a person as he was, he understood, right, like, well, I can't. I mean, if he could have, he would have squeezed every ounce of productivity out of his employees and yeah. pay them as little as possible. But he understood that, well, I want my employees to be able to afford to buy yeah. the thing that they're making, right? Mm-hmm. Like I can't, if, if, you, if you just, mm-hmm. if, you, if, you, if you, in theory, right, if you replaced everyone with a robot or a computer, who's going to buy all the stuff that the robots and the computers make if nobody's working? Well, buy, even the concept of buying, like, because buying something means there's a scarce resource and, like, you're trading, you're trading, like, you have a currency, right? You have a piece of paper that represents basically the opportunity cost. You're like, in this moment, I'm willing to, I'm willing to give up everything else this, this money could do for me because I want this thing over here, which could be food that you need it. Versus right. like, I am willing to trade, because you know, if you, if you spend $12,000 on a new car, like a cheap one, like that's a significant portion of the median earnings of an hourly worker for a year. Like that's like months of working. Like I'm trading months of my labor for this car. And like right now that's worth the exchange for me right now. Right. Like I want the car more than I want those, those months of my life back, right, in a way, right? <laughs> but if but if I but if I if the car is still out there but nobody earns But like if robots are making it like if you have an infinite like a relatively infinite supply of the raw materials and then you have the robots making it and that investment's already been made, like the part of the cost of a car, like a twelve thousand dollar car, is having to pay all the people along the way that made that car. Right. And it's like cooked into price then. Right. And then it's again like the final sales price is like we have to compete with everything else people want to do with their dollars. We have to like make sure that we come out on top as the thing people want to spend their money on versus twelve thousand dollars of Disneyland or whatever. But like when you break that system when it's like, well, robots built it the whole way up, like robots mined it, right. robots transported it, robots assembled it at the factory, robots transported it to a lot or a distribution system. And now like everybody gets a car for basically free. Like it didn't you know, like, what is the actual value of the car then, right? Well, that's just the intrinsic value of it. It gets me. But what is that even? Yeah, it has. Yeah, a it's function. a utility value. But then it's like, yeah, I don't. It, is there like a post-money world we could be in? Like, we've always had like people trade seashells or whatever. Like, yeah, is there a world in which uh, we don't need money as a, the whole, the purpose of money as a medium of exchange? That medium, like the middleman, gets cut out of it. Like, we can we just pro- directly provide? provide things to people to each other or I don't know like I think well, I that's think, what Marx was trying to figure out right with I Marxism think, um, I think that's communism. what that's what we're being forced to address yeah if we're headed in a direction that a lot of smart people are saying which is like what Yuval Harari calls the useless class like 
this, and, and in, mm -hmm. in other countries, this is already happening. You know, yeah. The unemployment rate in Greece for young people is yeah. like 50%. Spain, yeah. Like, what do you, like, yeah. what, if 50% of your working population is not working. Not because they, it's not like there's all these jobs that need filling. It's like you, you don't know what to do with them. There's nothing for them to do. Right, but you still. For various structural reasons. So what, but they still, right, like, what do you, it's, it's forcing, it would force. Yeah. governments and, and, and institutions to to have to you know I mean the only you other gotta feed them or they're is, going to seize the bread right that's right. what I was saying earlier like right. if you have a bunch of angry idle people who are then hungry right right like that's dangerous for well, the stability of a system so you gotta like it's like so people are like oh you will cost too much I'm like but you have to compare it to what compare it to a giant idle class of angry people well, who will be yeah. after your throats in no time. If so, you then, start, don't, so then, they don't, if they can't feed themselves or their families, they're going to, there's going to be a bloody revolution. So you better just pay them, like pay them to quiet them down. You so know? That, like, well, that's where the, bread. then the you know interest, I mean? con in, conceivably, the interests of the top tenth of one percent mm -hmm. could actually begin to align with all those people mm -hmm. because there is no benefit for the yeah because they could yeah again like you were saying they could look and be like this my customer base has just been completely eroded down to like they've been being impoverished and now nobody can buy the crap off of amazon right. you can't so bezos is like we need to make sure people are able to buy stuff on my website right? you funnel it down yeah. right like the the trend has been well for a lot of for, because wages have stagnated because buying power is down right but that's been able to be balanced out by making things cheaper and cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. Mm -hmm. But eventually that it's not, if, if you get to the point where people's buying power is whittled down to almost nothing, mm -hmm. you can't make stuff cheap enough in theory, right? Like you can't, you know, I mean, I don't know, but it's weird. Cause it's like, like we've seen, you know, like you were sending me some pictures from that book, like the cost of, you know, like the giant computer in the eighties that like the PlayStation two in 2001, was like surpassing what went to the moon right Super so like computer. the yeah the things that technology has gotten so much cheaper over time that like that's like deflation in the sense that like we we don't need to get a raise every year if everything's getting cheaper like eventually well, you don't need a wage because you don't nothing costs anything because well, there's a curve you know I mean? right i mean eventually that's that's a zero like you can't if you if it yeah. trends that way right like if but eventually they, they stop people, making stuff entirely, right? It's like they've got to find that point where they, there's enough kind of demand out there or like supply of money or supply of demand for the product. Or I don't know. You know what I mean? Like well, the leverage, a, the leverage in the past, the leverage was that the leverage for the average person was my labor. Mm -hmm. But if I don't have that as leverage anymore because a robot and a computer yeah. do it, then my leverage is just my buying power right like yeah like my leverage is i'm the consumer of your yeah cheap socks or underwear but if if we get to the point where you know the stuff can be made so cheaply mm -hmm. yet the purchasing power is little or nothing then it just could go to a straight just well we just give everybody socks and we get yeah. everybody because i mean but it's no, hard because it's like i mean i can i imagine like, like when I was a kid, if you want to buy a pair of jeans, that would cost you like, I don't know, uh, half a day of labor, right? If you always compare it to hours of labor. Like now, like I get my like annual pair of $5 or no, $1. I get my $1 flip-flops from Walmart. I get like two or three pairs and they don't last a year, but it's like you could people used to buy, them, they would buy and shoes and you'd replace them for numerous years. times yeah. and it would still be cheaper yeah. than that one so expensive. I'm like, I'm basically renting footwear. Or mm -hmm. I'm like leasing. I have an annual lease or an annual subscription to flip flops from Walmart, where right. every year I know I can go and get the one dollar flip flops, right. and they last the summer and right. they break. But it's like I'm not torn up about it because it was a dollar. Versus like my great grandparents would be like, "Oh, you gotta save that." And like they grew up in the depression, and it's like you get one pair of pants, and it has to last you through college, right? And like so, you keep mending it and you keep this that because like it's hours and hours or days and days of labor. And I'm like a dollar is like. 10 minutes of a time or six minutes of my time or whatever. Like when I think of it like that, that's where it's like, that's, isn't that, yeah, that's even more purchasing power, right? The cheaper things get, I guess, as long as your wages don't, either your wages directly or through inflation aren't eroded, like the purchasing power is, is still there. Like you win when things get cheaper as a consumer, right? Your dollar goes farther because you're able to buy 
to a point yeah. provide for yourself but then you flip it around and it's like okay that's your that's your dollar flip-flops but your house just the housing went up 50 percent in a year and a new car went up 50 percent in a year that's that's reality like a new right. car is 42 percent i saw like from from june to june or whatever the car car prices are 42 percent higher just nuts like that's right. that's inflation like that means that you can only buy half as much car with the same dollar or you have to pay twice as much for the same amount of car right um like that, that is way more impactful to an average person, especially a house, which is like usually the most expensive thing someone buys in their life. Um, the average person, like if that if house prices are fifty percent higher than they were three years ago or whatever, and then you just you just don't buy a house. Yeah. Them. But you need to live somewhere, and then like as long as house prices are high, then rental prices are high because people know like well if you're not buying a house you got to rent so I got you right like if you're like I'm gonna jack up the rent as far as I can get it, uh, which is their game, which is understandable. But well, like, it's it's like who's going to provide everyone housing for free, right? That's not going to happen. But if, if it who would build a house if it's like we're not going to pay you, but you got to build this house for other people. Like no, I'm going to do that. You know what I mean? Well, I mean the, the the that's that's the formula for you know disastrous inequality, right? Like mm-hmm. if if you know if depending on who who you listen to, I mean like you know, but I mean like. The, the trend is like it's like you know I mean it's like yeah I mean that's fine you that can be sustainable up to a certain point but the question becomes like you know how 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 much can how many people can tolerate how much yeah. inequality before they go this is just ridiculous yeah when if if enough people you know if if enough people at the top are just you know squeezing every amount every ounce of profitability they can get without regard for really anything else right. substantial which is what we have in a in but it's hard because like as like so like as jobs go more automated like it used to be like yeah the leverage was like well i've got a strong back and you need a strong back you need the labor to get the thing done and labor and capital have to work together Otherwise, it doesn't happen, right? You well, can't build the bridge. What happens when you take the labor? But, out of yeah. The so, but then, but if you do that, then capital can say, "Well, we don't owe you anything because you contributed nothing. We put all of our, we did all the risk. We spent all the money. We get all the return. Like you didn't have, you had no part of this. We right. didn't need you. So, like, we will use robots to build an apartment complex, and then we will get a return on our investment from you. And and, how? and like they'll be like, but that's completely ex- exploitative because like it cost you nothing to build this this house, and now you're charging me this ton. And they're like, we did it all. Like it's proportional to the investment, right? Like they did all the investment. Like, that's the argument I've heard is like the people the people who are investing in automation and capital. Like capital is like every, all these capital intense industries. Why should they have to share with labor when labor doesn't contribute to the bottom line? The capital contributed to the bottom line, not the labor. Well, in, in right? theory, you. you, you there's, it, it, I mean, if you do, if you if you extrapolate that out, right, that mm-hmm. trend out, right, then you just slowly disinclude bigger and bigger portions yeah. of the population. You have a very small group of people who can still play in that economy, while the rest of the people are, you know, that's what's happening. Yeah. People are being slowly squeezed out of that that yeah. exchange of things and. The question becomes, well, how sustainable is that? Even for the people at the top. Say, well, yeah. you didn't contribute anything. Well, pretty soon you're going to be selling that house to your 10 best friends. I mean, right. like... <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, like the pool of the kind of the capitalist class pool would become smaller and smaller, which means they become more and more impoverished where, like, you win. Like, Jeff Bezos won by making his website of the most value to the most people. Walmart won because they made their model be of the most value to the most people, right? You don't win the game by being selfish and hoarding it, right? Well, but that's that's the question, right? Is you that, only is, only is, by sharing the value out to everyone else. But that goes back to your point that that, that is the cycle of history is that the, the, the evidence seems to indicate yeah. that that because of greed, human it greed. It would be let them eat cake to the extreme where yeah. it's like and I mean that's already true. It's already true that in 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 this present world like let's be very clear like powerful people don't care if thousands of people or even millions of people suffer and die mm-hmm. 
Only if they stop buying their stuff. That they like if, if current customers die off, if, if, uh, if or you alienate your customer base and like cut off a customer base and don't have a new one to supplant it, like then your shareholders be after you again. But again, shareholders are everyone. Like everyone, like all the retirees are shareholders. Well, but like even if you look at it, if you look at it from the perspective of globally, mm-hmm. right? like oh yeah, yeah, you, know, you could have whole populations of people in poor countries that mm-hmm. are completely outside of the modern Somalia. economy, mm-hmm. and just like what, well, yeah. Nobody cares about people in Mogadishu. People know, nobody cares about any. Doesn't basically, matter. put throw a dart at a map in Africa, and they only care about the mineral extraction out of right. it, right? Like, Maybe the labor. When I when I when I you know that's a that's a that's a pretty classic example, right? Like that's that's um, th- that's the expanse, right? It's yeah, like, that's yep. the belters. You yep. know, you well, we were the only the, the we the 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 powers that be invest in the well-being of the belters only in as much as it sustains yeah. what they can get out of so, it. And they would be like, we we invested the capital, we, we did the lift to get this asteroid spinning up and get gravity and have amenities and have like a Chuck E. Cheese casino and all that. And it's like, and we hire you, like we give you employment on like on an ice hauler and like, like that giant ship, the ice hauler, like the Canterbury, right? That was capital provided that and the labor does the work of that, but they're like augmented by a suit that was provided by the company and like, like people like Amos uh, uh, Amos just brings his like his brawn but he doesn't even need it like you have a mech suit so you don't even need like a muscular physique to do that work so it's like the, the power of the average kind of person in that system is so low like well, they I mean, they need the late, they need the capitalist uh, provision of like the robot suits and like the ships and like all of that stuff and the capitalist like knows it like that's capital intensive thing right. and like that's where the leverage isn't there right but that's the place for unions right is that unions used to be the counterpoint to the capital like but then again like that's part of like the decline of unions is more of a symptom than the cause or i can't decide if it's the cause or the symptom like unions become less relevant because capitals become more more relevant and laborers become less relevant as far as like the need for labor like well not if we have a robot doing it we don't even need labor so why do we have to deal with the union you're how are this union you know yes like we don't so need you why would we why would we negotiate with you when we don't even need you because we'll just put a robot in there says you know? here henry ford um ford had invited ruther to examine one of the company's newly built factories and as the two began to walk across the shop floor he is said to have pointed at some newly acquired industrial robots. And this is back in 1950. Mm-hmm. Inquiring how such machines would pay their dues to the union, <laughs> Ruther's response is reputed to have been immediate. Henry, how are you going to get them to buy your cars? Them being the robots. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah, exactly. Like, you, you, you can't, like, if you take away, it really becomes very elemental, right? Mm-hmm. If you take away... Um, the need for my muscles mm-hmm. and my brain. Mm-hmm. What do you have left? Yeah. What, what What else? There's nothing left to, for me to leverage. Yep. And there's nothing else that the capitalist needs yep. from me. Yep. Other than that, I consume what you're making. Right. Like right. If you just take the car situation, right? Yeah. Like if If everybody worked for Henry Ford everybody in the world mm-hmm. worked to make cars and then all of a sudden nobody made the cars it was all yeah robots but then wouldn't we all just have free cars from the company well apparently I mean and like the, the business that, that gets itself would... out of business and like it is just a self-automated uh, <laughs> machine for extracting resources and train, like it turns it turns iron from the ground into a car that everyone gets it's like everyone gets wheels and you, hey kid remember like grandson i'm going to tell you about the day when we used to have to like work and like you had to like get a car loan you had to like buy these things and now you just they pass them out like everyone gets a car it's like is that the dream is that what we're trying to do well, are we trying to get like everybody not, everybody gets more free stuff i think the, right? the, 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 the the puzzling part of it is that i don't think like it's not what we set out to do but it's where we are Mm-hmm. Right, like, and that's the paradigm that's being like. Some people are arguing like we've already mm-hmm. capitalism when it runs its course, which nobody could have predicted. Right, right? like, but when it runs its course, which is where is like in theory, it's like okay, like the idea is maximizing profits. Yeah. Well, so okay, 
So you do that by, you know, you've got a, you've got a, it's a, it's a race to figure out how to make things cheaper mm -hmm. so that you can be more profitable. Mm -hmm. But if you, now that's leading to replacing human beings as yeah. workers. Which cuts your profitability because there's no one to buy your stuff. Right. Yeah. So it's not that anybody woke up one morning and said, let's hey, let's, let's see what happens when yeah. we robotize you. Yeah. It just, we woke up one day yeah. and it was like, oh, that's where we are. It seemed now. like the next right thing to do to, to follow the goal of maximizing profits. And then it's like one day it's like, oh, like the profits are going down. We don't know why. It's because all these lazy people don't buy anything. We got to up the advertising. We got to like get them more stimulated to buy our thing. Well, when and you, it's like, when you, like they just when aren't you, able to even if they want to. When you take something as fundamental, right? Like if you look at, you know, we, we had this like, you know, something that took thousands of years mm -hmm. right like it took thousands of years for people to go from hunter-gatherer to mm -hmm. agriculture yeah and then it took thousands of years for industrial, industrial revolution yeah. and then we just went on a rampage from well like in 1950 there was like barely a computer it was like a room and then by 1990 we're pretty much the stage is set for the now internet and robot thing and then here we are in 2021 and it's and like I guess the, so the question you know. the question relating back to the the primary theme of office space is well we still have a lot of people working but the question is twofold number one are those jobs either actually already obsolete but they still exist mm -hmm. And also, how miserable are most of those people yeah. doing that I job? I think on the first question, I wonder about that because if it's obsolete, is it that the bosses know they're obsolete and they're like, well, we're just afraid to like let everyone go. But like, like why would people, why would the people in charge of capital continue to pay people to work in jobs that are not adding any value to what the company does? Well, I think those those is it things, just out of fear of like, well, what are they are they going to like revolt or like, or is it like, are they unaware themselves too that like nobody it's absolutely nobody knows it yet, and it's like only until afterwards you realize like, oh, what I just did for the last five years was obsolete, but nobody could tell during it, or is it like some people can tell and are just like, I'm not going to tell them, are you going to tell them? I'm not going to tell them. We'll just keep paying them because it's awkward. Like, wouldn't they be like, we have all this inefficient capital going into all these people, like we should fire them all and shift the capital over here. And I think the issue is more one of just time. It's just it's those those shifts used to happen so slowly uh -huh. that it would just kind of painlessly yeah. slowly happen. Now, like the buggy driver turned into like the bus driver. The technology, slowly. the technology to make your job obsolete already exists, but it happens so fast mm -hmm. that we just haven't replaced you yet. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like it's just it's happening so quickly. Because of the exponential increases in, so there's a point at which, like, if you're if the right salesman person gets in front of the company, they're like, I did, the, I crunched the numbers, and like, if you buy this machine, which I know is a big sticker price, like, you'll make up, you'll make it up in two years or in one year, or like, you'll instantly make it back next payroll, and like, at some point, they're gonna be like sold, but until right. that point. They're like flying a little blind where they're like, yeah, I'm vaguely aware that there's this tech out here. But in the meanwhile, I've got all these people that work for me that I personally like or whatever. Or like I know them and like they have kids and like, you know, like I feel bad. Like, like, cause there's going to be this moment where like all like the middle and upper managers are going to be like, like you're, if I, if I'm just putting my Spock brain on, if you buy this machine or buy this technology or adopt this technology or roll it in over three years, 90% of the people in this place are going to be on completely useless. And like, I don't want to be the one sitting across the table, like letting them all go. What are they going to do? Like, if everyone in this industry is adopting it, like that's the, that's, well, that's, a, that's that's coming. That it's like, happened. It's happening. Like the auto industry is the canary yeah. in the coal mine. Like, yeah, the whole manufacturing. Yeah, is is the first wave of that happening. But like, like if so, like with farming, like one percent of the workforce does farming. Factory. It's like everyone shifted into service. So like, my only hope, I guess, in that is that like. Just like with if you were someone who grew up on a farm and it's 1921 and like you have three kids and they're off, they're like coming of age and you're like, I don't need all three of you on this farm anymore because I just got a John Deere tractor and like I can do in a day what it would take me and my brothers three, three or four weeks to do. Like 
you would never imagine that your great grandkid would be like an app developer, right? There's like jobs that you never knew would exist. Like your your grandson would be an airline pilot, right? Like you, you know, like so. Like my only hope is that like I can see all that coming, but I also I have to hope that like if the workforce is what 160 million people ish, like or 180 million, let's say in America, like if we only really need three million of those, let's say in the end game, like over 30 years, it ends up where we only really need to provide everyone's. But like to, to provide everyone's needs, it only takes three million people to actively work. Everything else is technology su- supplemented. Mm-hmm. Um, what do we do with 177 million people? Right. What What are they supposed to do? And if if you answer that with, we can take like they can have their needs met. Like is isn't wouldn't the utopia right? The utopia would be hey, only three million people need to do anything. They can probably and we could probably even make it where like make it 12 million and everybody works quarter time let's say and like everyone else gets to do whatever they want like we will make sure you don't starve and that you like have housing because like we have all this like abundance of material goods and like we can make sure everyone's to food and housing. yeah like everyone can be fed and housed and then you can go pursue your dreams you can be an artist you can be a whatever like play video games all day yeah you can like isn't the point of life to like, I don't know, like that's that's it gets back to the point of life. Like, if you're the hunter gatherer, weren't you even then trying to maximize your downtime? Like the time when you're not in an existential crisis where you're like, I'm hit, sitting here worried about getting eaten by a saber toothed tiger, or I'm worried about catching my next meal. Like, wouldn't your goal have been like, hey, it would be sweet if I had like this unlimited stockpile of food and I could just like draw cave art all day, or I could just like lay out in the sun, or like not have to. But isn't that bad for the soul? Like, doesn't that become you become the people in Wally, right? If you're just like playing all day long, forever, isn't that bad too? Like, don't we need some kind of purposeful? Is that worse work? than than that's purposeless yeah. work or yeah? I think work? purposeless work is worse than purposeful work. But purposeful leisure is better than purposeless work. Yes, I would agree with that. Right, like uh, yeah, giving people the freedom to do what they to kind of just do. you know eke out an existence like that is preferable. I think that was kind of the point. Yeah. Like, right. That's what the guy does in office space. He's like, what would you want to do? Nothing. And yeah. But I, like, but you see, but even when I saw that, I was like, yeah, but for like a day, like eventually you'd be like, you know, like that doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem right that a human would want to do nothing forever. That's well, pres- you, isn't that prison? That's like a solitary confinement. Like when you do that you, to people, they but ultimately it wouldn't be, the they case. go crazy. We human, human beings would, find ways to pass their time yeah. and, and, and engage with each other and exchange. We would just like basically build culture. Like we would, do, we would do a culture building. Like people, humanity would be building a human civilization and whole culture. Well, that's, that's, that is that's not already built work. I guess. That's already the trend. Like yeah. the, the, the idea of the arts and yeah. culture is a modern, mm-hmm. when I say modern, we're still talking about hundreds of years, but like, yeah. like, the expressions people of... People didn't have time to do art because they were no, like chasing food and not becoming cr- food. Crea- yeah. Creativity mm-hmm. was something that a very, very tiny, teeny, tiny yeah. fraction of the population... Like the shaman who was in. unable to hunt was able to stay back and like create proto-religion, right? By like looking at the stars and looking at the guts of animals and reading meaning into them, right? Well, or even they just... They had time like, to do that, so that's culture, right? The number of people who engaged in meaningfully in producing art or yeah. books or literature or and they were actively or, subsidized or, by yeah. the word like right. it's always been the construct that like even now like the arts quote unquote we know that's like it's subsidized patronage. by like titans of industry pay yeah, yeah the patron decision like everyone knows that they are at best like a enhancement supplement to life but like dependent on actual work being done to support that and at well, worst, like, they're parasitic. Like, other people look at people like that as, like, you are a bunch of, like, parasites on this. Isn't like, you should, like, go get a real job, right? Don't do not do YouTube content creation, even if it's monetized. Whether, whether or not it's monetized, let's say it's not. Like, if you say, I, I live in my mom's basement, they feed me food, and I'm content with that, and I'm content to just make content, and I don't care if I never get paid paid for it i just love doing it i do it for the innate virtue of it, or painting or whatever it is like to, let's say youtube now 50 years ago it was i want to be a painter at home and anyone else might look at them and go like oh you're like wasting your life you're not productive quote unquote you are 
like not following they, you're not doing what you're supposed to do which is like go get a job right and like who's to say though like well, that's the script though but that's been but the reality the reality is is that peop, most people most people at the end of the day essentially right it's it, the story is I wake up in the morning and what are my op, what options are presented to me mm-hmm. so that I can acquire the essentials of life and if those options change mm-hmm. right then I mean most people don't have the ability to influence how all that works yeah. they just have to wake up in the morning and go well what's that Uber because I need more money or yeah. I'm going to start a YouTube channel or, and it's not it's not a question of like did someone make it so that it's like that or it's for most people it's like I don't know all I know is that now when I wake up in the morning, um, I don't go to the same job for 25 years and the companies that I, everybody worked for don't exist anymore. Yeah. And the kinds of jobs that people used to go do after they got a college degree aren't there anymore. Yeah. And I mean, if you, so people are just going to, they're going to find a way to number one, right? Like, I mean, essentially um, people are always going to find a way whatever that looks like to get whatever, you know, whether it was waking up in the morning and going hunting all day mm-hmm. or waking up every morning and punching a clock at a factory or waking up every morning and logging into Uber or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I'm just going to do whatever I have to do. But if, if we get to a point where, you know, those options no longer are sustainable, like you don't have enough yeah. people, there's not enough options for enough people to sustain the existing economy, people will well, still then we to wake up every morning. Yeah. And be like, well, well, I think like our basically Western civilization or what we would call civilization is the anomaly, right? So like pre-Columbian, pre-Columbian discovery in North America is like the default humanity, right? So it's like small numbers of people living on vast areas of land that are completely wilderness, and like the hunter-gatherer model is is human's default state. And so like we've developed the systems over 500 years, let's say from 1491 to now, uh, we developed a system that allows many more people to live, right? Cause you couldn't, obviously you can't support 312 million people on North America if everyone lived like Native Americans did in right. 1491, that wouldn't work. There's not enough food. But like, could we get back to that in a way where because Native Americans are like hunter-gatherer cultures, they actually have, their life is not constantly, like they have as much leisure time as, as the average. I've got three minutes. Okay. Like they have as much, they've done like studies and like they actually um, have more leisure time than the average like Western office worker does. Um, they just have like a brief intense hunting session or like they go out and, and like forage, but they like, they come back at the hot of the day and take a nap and then they like hang out all afternoon and like make baskets or whatever and like prepare their food and then like have culture all evening and then they just do it again. Like, so like perhaps we could get to like a, like almost back to that, but with the technology of like, the technology is meeting all our needs and like, you, it's like dropping off your food for the day from a drone from a factory that is self-run and it's like, I don't know, like you kind of, I don't know, there's something to like, there's something to like if you, if you work a job, get paid in cash, take the cash, get a check, get it, get your check cashed, go to the store, trade your cash for food, and go mm-hmm. eat your food. There's a connection there, right? But then if it's like all electronic, if there's like even less of a connection, but then there's something to like this apple I'm biting into is from this tree that I grew from a seed in the ground, or like this potato I put the seed in and now it's a potato, or this this food, this meat I grew from, you know, like there's like there's a direct connection. Like I, I hunted this animal and now I'm eating it. That's like that's, that's more human or whatever. That's permanently gone. Yeah, that's that's permanently gone. But I feel like like a part of humanity got lost with that. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, we that's debatable and irrelevant because it's just gone. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. But I just, it's just it, seems, it seems wrong to be like fed, right? It's like Jurassic Park. Like she doesn't want to be fed; she wants to hunt, right? So it's like humans don't want to just sit here and be fed and be provided with stuff. We want to like go be part of that, like make it happen. I feel like. Or is that just like the Protestant work ethic? That's it, that may be, that may be ir- irrelevant. And from an evolutionary perspective, we may be evolving out of that. Mm. Completely. Part two. By, by force. <laughs> all right. So we solved all those problems. Um, 
Well, that's our discussion of the ridiculously simple 1999 <laughs> film Office Space. And all that it implies. We are going to leave now and go create software to hack pennies off the dollar from <laughs> Apple and uh, become independently wealthy through questionable means. Um, but uh, yeah, that's our discussion for today. Um, maybe we'll pick this up again. It might be worth the continual exploration. But until then, uh, thanks for listening and we will catch you next time.